Welcome to the Butterfly Effect Studio. I'm your host, Christian Rebenek. As we know, based on the chaos theory, small things can have a big impact. And the goal of the session is to uncover how leaders, change makers develop their purpose, their competences, um, and their community to have a great positive impact. And we have the episodes is packed full of ideas you can apply to your life. In this conversation, um, I'm speaking to Martin Schilling, Managing Director of Texas Berlin, Angel Investor, Serial Entrepreneur, and author of the book, The Builder's Guide to the Tech Galaxy, 99 Practices to Scale Startups into Unicorn Companies. Really great to have you in the studio, Martin. Hi, Christian. Thanks for the invitation. Love to be here. So, Martin, you mentioned your passion is accelerating companies that make the planet a better place for humanity. Um, tell us a little bit more about your purpose and what has driven you actually um, in your uh, life. Yeah, sure. So, look, I have been an entrepreneur all my life. This is a bit the 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 ingredient which flows through my my veins and which excites me. I have co-created a youth parliament in my Bavarian hometown at the, the age of 16. So totally exciting story. I, you know, founded a foundation in Argentina, then my first startup in Berlin during my PhD and joined after this McKinsey where I had many McKinsey clients creating companies, but I was never really super happy as a consultant. So at one point, Max and Valentin, the founders of N26 called me. And at this point I was at a, at a point where I said I would never want to work for banks or insurances, <laughs> but they literally convinced me to, to join N26 and help them scale the company from 300 to 1,500 employees okay. in a bit more than two years. An absolutely amazing scale up story. I took then time off during COVID as well, a bit to be there for my two sons. But as well to write a book, as you just alluded to, and mm -hmm. I literally tried to condense the learnings we had at N26 together with more than 100 international experts in a book on supporting builders, startup builders to build unicorn companies. To your question on purpose, what really drives me, I want to be personally involved in co-creating 10 European unicorn companies in the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. that make the world better. So that's very important for me. This is not only about great large companies. Yeah. This is about companies that not necessarily deliver to you milk in 10 minutes to your doorstep, <laughs> which is cool, no question, but really work on the big problems of our time. Yeah, Climate change, quantum, decentralized finance, you name it. Why is this, why is this driving you? What is the motivation for you for this actually? What is, the, what is your inner, literally, what is driving you innerly to have this energy actually to do this, to support this, to be an entrepreneur? Because it's, you, you mentioned it, it's a journey. It's not, it's like a roller coaster more or less. Yeah. So look, there are two, you know, private, there are two themes behind it. The one is a private one. I have been entrepreneur myself. I know how difficult this journey is. I know how stressful it can be if you literally have a payroll and you don't know how to pay your people in the middle of the month, yeah, to the end of the month. And I know as well how it feels like you are creating something, you have an idea. Everybody at the beginning says, hey, what is this? I don't believe this. I don't believe you at all. And then suddenly if it works, everybody jumps on the train, you know? That's yeah. why I'm very sympathetic and have deep 
respect and appreciation to everyone who engages in a builder's journey, building a company, mm -hmm. because these are the pioneers of our time. These are the people who put their professional lives at stake. Whereas many of us others, I include myself currently in this, have a relatively secure job with relatively well paid. And yeah, I just respect this builder's journey a lot. That's, that's the private side. And there is a, there's a more societal impact side to this as well. I believe that tech entrepreneurs in Europe have the potential to build more than 10 million additional jobs in the next 10 years. There are many studies on this. And they are a driver of technological sovereignty of our nations in Europe. We are still too dependent on in particular US infrastructure. When you think about payments, walk in a supermarket, 95% of the transactions go via the Visa and MasterCard network. And yeah, that's just one example where you literally go into public administration, 98% of all computers run on Windows. So we are very, very dependent on US tech infrastructure and we as Europeans should change this. Wow, okay. So um, makes sense to understand about big purpose um, to change this. If you have two kids, you mentioned that now, um, has anything changed on your purpose with actually having kids, having family? Good question. It's an, I always thought about family and professional life as two things okay. with two different purposes. You know, of course, having two boys and a, and a wonderful Argentinian artist wife is something amazing. And I'm even more committed to create a world of equal opportunities after having family. So I just mm -hmm. believe this is an, will be an important topic on many dimensions, be it employment, being, you know, an, an, a really inclusive world. That's, these are topics which now matter even more to me after having family. Yeah, um, totally related to that. I think my purpose has also developed over time, um, actually. So if you're thinking back um, and you've managed so many different challenges, um, what have been the, the skills eventually? You mentioned where you have an entrepreneur from your beginning of your life, literally. But what have been the skills, the competence, which helped you actually the most in your journey? Have mm -hmm. they changed eventually as well? When I reflect on this, I see three key competencies and maybe a bonus topic. Yeah? So the first is what really helped me and is helping me now is the ability to create clear direction for organizations. Yeah, the so-called North Star. I've seen this working brilliantly. I've seen it working not very well. There is nothing more powerful if you literally wake up the team you're working with, particularly your leaders in the middle of the night, and they can all tell you this, the same direction to walk. So, you know, so for example, here, Texas, really good. We have a new CEO, Mael Gave, and she put forward our objective and our North Star. We want to build the best and largest pre-seed investor in the world with more than 5,000 investments and a tier one IRR, internal rate of return. That's a really clear and great North Star. Or, you know, when you think about Elon Musk is very good at this. Yeah. Humanity as a multiplanetary species is a really a strong North Star. Many people criticize him for many things. I understand, but his ability to think big and have, having the strong North Stars is something totally amazing. I think that's one. Mm -hmm. Two, 
aspirational goals, setting aspirational goals, this impossible is nothing mindset. This is something really, really impactful. So you should not settle for, you know, rather I under promise and over deliver. That's something is typically done here in Europe, but rather mm -hmm. say, Hey, no, I am trying with my team to make the impossible possible, the unreal real. And I've seen this happening so often that then teams really get into their potential. If this is of course structured carefully, there are things you need to put in place. So you know, think about, you know, the moonshot speech is very kind of stretch example, but a good one. 61, John F. Kennedy said, we want to put a man on the moon at the end of the decade and the US did it. Everybody thought this is totally impossible and they did it. That's just one of these things. And many entrepreneurs we're working with, with do this. And then the third skill, learn it all, not know it all. I think this is a particular important skill that the, the things we learn in university early in our lives matter less and less. It is more about constantly reinventing yourself and keeping the courage and the ability to jump into the deep end in different waters. Yeah. So for example, when you look back at my life, I try to do this often. So when you found a company, uh, I found it as well as many others of a company, this is always a jump into the deep, deep end. Or I then joined McKinsey relatively late with six years as well, a jump in the deep end. Then I totally switched position from a consultant to an executive. And at one point I led 800 people, a very different type of, of skills that you need there. Now I'm currently an investor that is well another change. So these kind of constant jumps into different waters just keep you, I think, alive to a certain degree professionally. Mm -hmm. And of course, make you learn. So, um, did you, did you, how do you learn that? <laughs> so yeah. when did you uh -huh. figure out that this is actually for you important, this North Star? Did you, when you graduate, when you graduate from school, do you already know where you want to go or what's, uh, how does, how do you say, how do you start learning that? Um, so it's a very good question. I consider myself as some kind of misfit as many others in particular, the, the startup ecosystem do. So misfit in the sense, I sensed that there wasn't a good existing path. So I needed to craft my own path. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about in particular with, you know, graduates, people who are literally just embarking on their careers and they have the impression, Hey, I'm not. I, there is this, you know, I could go to consultancy. I could join a scale up. I could literally do a PhD. I'm not sure. I don't feel nothing is really made for me. That's a typical syndrome for a potential founder <laughs> where you then literally you should craft your own path. Um, yeah. but if you craft your own path, I mean, we have a couple of other students here, um, which uh, don't know yet how their path will look like. But so how do they find out their next step? How did you find out what's now the mean, most, why should I try now McKinsey? Why, you know, why now N26 actually? What's that, what's the decision-making here to actually find out your next step? Yeah, so first, I think everybody should recognize there is a big, big chunk of luck and, mm -hmm. and you know, chance involved here. Yeah? So this is, I think you should have a very clear purpose and long-term direction, which you need to find and revise over time. This is mm -hmm. uh, nobody has this. Very few of us have this very naturally. And then it's about 
similar to what you do in an early stage startup, you need to experiment, literally you need to dare to experiment. And so if an opportunity arises, then to, to literally take the opportunity and test it and ideally put yourself in a position where you can test things. Maybe, you know, you can do three, four months work there. There might be an kind of temporary thing so you could try out. It's about failing fast and learning fast. Not this is a typical thing we recommend startups, but it applies to your personal career as well. So you'd say like, let's go for internships and let's see, figure out, is this a role? Is this yeah. a company um, which works out for me? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or, um, you know, what I've, I've, it, that might be a bit of a Gen Z thing, which I'm currently observing. If you have these opportunities, I, I would always recommend do them wholeheartedly and 100% for a limited time. Mm -hmm. Rather than, you know, okay, I'm committing here two days in the week and I'm doing 10 times in parallel. Do this experimentation, but do it one experiment at a time full, full hearted. So if, if because with Texas, you're looking at founders, you're assessing founders, you're looking at who can I invest in. And, um, if I understand you right, these are also the attributes you're looking into the founders. Yeah. Having a North star, being aspirational, really quick learners, really fully jumping into it. And then, um, eventually that they, 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 um, you see that this they have this 100% commitment. Yeah. Um, if you don't have any of those, you would say, I don't go in, into investors. Is this correct? Yeah, it's correct. It, it, this brings me a bit to the bonus topic I mentioned before. There is one thing which really is to often totally underrated. And this is grit. This is this difficult to translate words, which stands for stamina, perseverance, literally the ability. If you get punched in the face, you stand up and try again. Every no you receive makes you stronger. Yeah, so, so, so how do you test that? How do you find out if somebody has great actually? Yeah, it's, that's, <laughs> that's actually very difficult. It's very difficult to test, but you, you know, if you ask someone, what's the most courageous thing in your life you've ever done? Yeah. And then someone tells you, Hey, look, I have run an iron man or, you know, I have, you know, founded this strange company in Madagascar under, under very weird circumstances. You, you, you see it partly from the CV. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Or if, if you ask someone, what's your plan B? And then you get an answer. Yeah. If it doesn't work, then I join a consultancy. That's a typical answer for someone who has not a lot of bread. <laughs> That's a very interesting one. So, um, and how do you learn grit? Hmm. Is it something which comes to your natural? Is it like, Oh, you're born with grit and you have it or not, or is it something you actually can learn? And, uh, how, how, what's, what, yeah. So I think actually there's very, very little skills at all, which are literally born with, I think the vast majority of skills you, it is about training and training hard Do this 10,000 hours. So, you know, this is really good news. I think almost every can, everyone can do everything if you are committed enough. One thing which matters for developing grit is this concept, which psychologists call self-efficacy, mm -hmm. the belief that you can achieve your goals. I think this is how you can nurture it. You need to put yourself in, in situations where possibly the goals are at the beginning, not the very, very big moonshots, but things you can actually achieve. But if you set yourself on a path, then 
really don't give up. It's, it's a mindset you can nurture, you know, and it's, it's, I've seen this over and over again. If people try to imagine a new future, you know, um, Steve Jobs was the, the most famous one, but there are many founders who can actually do this. So literally you think about the future and there is a very clear picture, which you have in your mind and you totally believe it. You will be able to influence reality around you to, to literally bend to your vision. Famous reality distortion field. Reality distortion field. Yeah, this there is some negative connotation around the person of Steve Jobs of this, but there is there's some, and this needs to be done carefully with you know values, and it can be done over the top, and but um, that's a very powerful force. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's something. The self efficacy is a very important, um, yeah, competence to have really, and. Uh, um, It's something I think we, if, if you are want to solve challenges, there is always like, um, resistance, um, if any yeah. change, transformation. So it's something which is very, very important. Yeah. And you know, you talked, we talked about children. This is something as well, which connects education. You should, I learned praise effort, not talent. So if you tell a child, Hey, you are so intelligent. Yeah. Or you're so beautiful. This is usually not the right thing to do. You should praise effort. Hey, you have now the whole hour trained math or you have taken the whole hour to paint this picture. It's so great that you do this, that you stay on top of it. And this, this requirement or the, on this appreciation for effort and dedication and commitment. So did, this, this is, is true for children. Is this also true for grownups and for companies? Should it raise effort or results? Because there is always discuss, discussion, you know, if OKR is also coming up, you know, you want to have, it's nice that you have tried hard, but at the end there is no result. So yeah. how would you see that? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a very good question. So <laughs> I would see this differently in companies with adults and with children, because that's just why it's a bit different. Of course, results matter, but this connects a bit to the discussions we have around OKRs in tech companies, right? Objectives and key results. You want to bake in very ambitious goals, but allow failure. So it's not only about results. It is as well about, you know, your willingness to commit to high level and ambitious goals and do everything possible you can to achieve them. If you then only achieve 70%, it's still okay. So it's really about this 100% commitment you are in Or yeah, actually, you're the, the wrong person. Yeah. Um, amazing. So, if if you're looking at um, um, it's kind of yeah, um, if you're looking at your career eventually, and um, who who has helped you the most actually in your career? What of the biggest supporters? Um, what was the most important people actually um, to go through this roller coaster? Because I think they're not just challenges, but I, I mean, have you done it alone, or was it like a support network, or um, yeah, how was this? So what helped me most was to get into several tier one networks. So my, my personal story is I don't come from a family from a very, with a, from a very privileged family. So we had certainly enough money that I could literally that my parents could pay for some extra education, but my mother is a nurse and my father's a, a chemical engineer, but we're certainly not connected. My family's not connected to any kind of tier one network. And I had the opportunity during my studies in literally year two to join the foundation of German business. That's a network, a scholarship, literally 
meanwhile, a couple of thousand people, even globally, um, sponsored by the German business, but in a very broad sense, who want to foster an entrepreneurship in, uh, in, uh, with a dedication to society, literally. So that was my first network, which I entered, which was provided me with pivotal connections. Then I, you know, I studied at the London School of Economics. That was another network which I could add at one point. McKinsey was, of course, a global network and is a global network. I'm a member of a, a network which is called Tönnesteiner Kreis. Texas provides a global network. So these kind of networks, these were pivotal for me and my career. And I would, you know, I'm always recommending to try to join these kind of mm -hmm. networks. Mm -hmm. And how they have they helped you? What was like the, the help from the networks? It's like individual, it was like regular sessions. How was it working? Working and literally partying and getting to know <laughs> people with high aspirations. Okay. Yeah, so that's probably the single most important thing. So where I then suddenly saw here is a group of people who's as well, brief work, we come back to grit, working hard with high expectations and aspirations. And as well with a, we come back to purpose with thoughts around how we make literally together the world better. And this inspired me in changing mindset and developing these mindsets we just talked about. So, um, and if you look at the challenges you had uh, on your path, um, was those networks which you have then reached out to and asked for help, or is this like, um, or have there been other uh, people additionally uh, which helped you? Yeah, so you know, it comes back now to get to grit what we said before. So, this will not just happen, you need to actively search them, apply there, and try to get in. Yeah, there needs to be an effort to, to get in, and then certain network effects kick in. Very important for me, what I learned it's about give first. We at Texas have this very nicely phrased value, give first, the, the willingness to help others in our case, particular entrepreneurs without asking something in return. I'm, if I'm asked for literally the one career advice, that would probably be it. Give first. So try to hand out as many favors, professional favors as you can without directly asking something in return. So I'm, I'm seeing this from time to time that people wait too much. What is in for me? Okay, you ask me to recommend you, or you ask me for an introduction, you ask me for information. Why should I do this for you? Why, for my book, for example, it's very interesting to see. Majority of people re responded and say, of course, I give you an interview, it's a great thing. You will mention me a bit, but uh, should I give this because it's an ecosystem process, but some others literally said, yeah, why, what is in for me? And if you do this, really give first, you are building up reputation capital on which you can draw at some point. Because of course, if you ask at one point, one of these persons who you did a favor for a favor, they will return it. But the key is it's about really not, I give you a favor and you give me something back. I give you something unconditionally first. Amazing. Um, thank you so much. I think this is, this is really important. I think helping others without expecting, but actually eventually, um, like a black swan phenomenon, you know, um, eventually this can become a really big opportunity. And um, so who, who would be your role model, actually? Yeah, I don't have, 
I don't have many role roles actually, but um, one which I would probably pick is Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're from Austria, so you know it's a sort of your countryman. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger inspires me, not only because he was born very close to my, I'm coming from a small Bavarian city or town and he was born close there, but he has reinvented himself several times mm -hmm. and he's a brilliant example of grit. Mm -hmm. yeah, so this man became one of the most famous bodybuilder in the world. You mm -hmm. can only do this if you really have grit to train. Yeah. <laughs> Then he reinvented as himself as actor. Then he became investor, literally mm -hmm. real estate deals in the US. And then he reinvented himself as politician, becoming the governor of California. At one point, there was even a discussion of changing the US constitution so that he could be elected president. <laughs> so this is, and I, when, when I look at his post and what he's doing, he seems to have a strong purpose as well. And that it's a very value-driven person. Yeah, um, I think he also changed uh, or yeah, advanced his North Star from that direction. I think, as you mentioned, it must be very, as very aspirational. I can do it. Um, I want to achieve that. Very clear on yeah. where to go. And um, yeah, uh, totally, totally. Yeah, that. great that you mentioned it again, Christian. So that's he combined. Why did he achieve this? Probably because he combined this impossible is nothing attitude. You know, there is this boy from an Austrian village, totally unknown, becoming one of the most known Hollywood actors. This is really, but yeah, this is really a big step, but he envisioned this. He wanted this at the beginning. Everybody laughed at him, but then he really then, but he believed it and he worked literally his ass off to get it done. It is. Um, so, but it, it, not for everybody of us, it's like the journey. So just write the next big step. There are failures, um, especially for startups. And we know also many startups actually fail. And this is a frustration. So if you set yourself high goals, you sometimes fail. Um, you mentioned you need to stand up again. Um, but, but what, what kind of, uh, how can you keep going? What, how do you deal with frustration? Um, what's your, what's your way of dealing with frustration? You know, this is a very important conversation. I'm having this quite a lot with founders as well with founders who failed and who then partly tell me in private, hey, I'm actually feeling ashamed. I stepped down mm -hmm. from, you know, my public appearance at LinkedIn because I failed. And the nice message is it has become totally normal and totally accepted in Middle Europe, in Western Europe to fail and to try again. In the US, it has been for decades the case. It's, it becomes more and more and very now normal thing that you do things and then you fail and then you literally make it better the next time. So to really in these moments, if of failure to, I know people who then let you go to a break, go to Thailand, you know, do some retreats there or so recover and then do the next thing. So I think the key is first to see it as a particular entrepreneurship, as a sequence of experiments. The nature of experiments is that they fail and you must not really, you must not take this personal. You just rather react fast, change things and try it again. And if it totally fails, you run out of money and you know, this is really kind of an obvious failure to recognize it and in particular think about your mental health and then literally try it again. So uh, you talk quickly about mental health, but you mentioned it like 
how do you how do you take care of your mental health? Because it's an issue in uh, today's society, I think overall, and I think it's even maybe better, bigger if you issue the more successful you are. Yeah, that's a very important topic. We had three burnouts on our last Techstars program. I feel okay. personally responsible for this. Um, we haven't taken care enough on mental health. One was on our team, two on the founder side. I personally had a burnout myself as well at one point at McKinsey. Um, and there are a couple of things one what you can do. So first, you need to take care of physical health, taking care of your body, sleeping yeah. enough, sports enough, eating healthy enough. If you don't do these things in a very regular and careful way, that's that's that is really critical. You know, that's that's literally the basis. Mm-hmm. Two, we talk here and you talk a lot about purpose. If you find something which is close to your purpose, this is it's a very good way of, of, you know, staying mentally healthy because you can answer the question, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, that, that's yeah. certainly another really critical thing. And then it's a, it's about literally doing regular check-ins. If what you are doing now is the thing you were enjoying in the long term. So I have a question which I'm asking always myself in literally every quarter professionally related. If 10 is the best job in the world and one is I quit tomorrow, where do I stand now? And if the answer is too long, five or lower, I need to change something significantly. So what's your number now? (laughs) I would say now when I think about my Texas job, it's certainly a strong eight. And then, you know, the, 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 the logic is always you ask yourself, not how can you get from, you know, five to 10, but rather one small step ahead. But when, when I think about now in my current job, I would say it's a very, very strong eight, eight plus, I would say. How can I get to nine? So that would probably, I would love to scale Texas Berlin even broader and have a larger team so that we can have even more startups. That would be my step, small step up. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. That's, that's really that's truly a um, um, very insightful story. Um, for our students, um, what are, so or maybe maybe for yourself, if you now look back at your life, what is the one thing you would recommend um, your 18-year-old self? Dare to bid. Dare to bid. That's probably yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. I did it. Um, I, was, I wasn't sure, literally for almost a decade, if this was the right decision directly after university to build a company because you can always argue, go first to someone else. Let some others mm-hmm. pay for your errors. Don't do it yourself at the first time. Mm-hmm. But when I'm reflecting now in particular on the great work we're doing at Texas with many founders, if you have the passion and the drive to build a particular company, or it can be as well an initiative, an NGO, anything you, your mm-hmm. heart lies with, yeah. and you, you compare this with other career paths, you know, I'm joining an organization, I'm, you know, I'm doing a PhD or anything. If in doubt, bid. <laughs> so amazing. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with our learners? So, you know, this, I would love us to work together in particularly in these difficult times we currently face in Europe with a still a war raging, I would love us to work in particular together as Europeans 
in mm -hmm. building and scaling up the European tech ecosystem. I think this is a big theme we together need to take to the next level. I'm very hopeful for this decade. I'm seeing this even these days. We are we had in our teams and have people from the Ukraine, people from Russia. You know, I, I see this builder's mindset as an mindset which unifies us across countries, across mm -hmm. um, origin, across age, uh, across education levels. This, this is something which unites us. And I would just love us all as Europeans work even more together to build an, a more, an amazing European tech ecosystem. Thank you so much, Martin. Um, thank you very much for joining in. Uh, this was a great favor for myself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed the discussion. Um, and um, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Christian, for inviting me. Big pleasure. <laughs>